I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive. Well, season five of the, the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. All right. What are you eating? A kiss. It's an Easter kiss. It's, um... Is it a kiss of betrayal? It's, yeah. It's based on uh, Judas' last kiss to Jesus. But made by Hershey. How? And wrapped in cute little pastels. Yeah. We are super excited to welcome Sean Hollenbach on the show today. Um, Yes. We uh, love catching up with him. You're going to love it too. Um, We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Can you hear me fine? I can hear you just fine. Uh, I'm sitting here with two other people you may know, my co-host and husband, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. (laughs) And our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. What is up, Mr. Hollenbach? RDH, what's going on? Oh, you know, same old, 20 years later. Oh my God, don't even talk about it. I can't. (laughs) Sean, where are you um, calling from? I'm calling from the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts. Is it cold? Very. It is, uh, was it? My husband's sitting here. What was it? Like, 13. it's 13 degrees right now. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, did you guys uh, weather the storm or did you got, have that, that recent storm that just hit? Yeah, but it, I mean, it, it's been snowy all season. So it's kind of like, it's hard to tell the difference. <laughs> between the big the big storms and the small ones it just kind of all just sticks around yeah it's like a snow globe up here it's like it's like uh herbie the elf lived here and and he's he's definitely my dentist (laughs) (laughs) i want to be a dentist independent (laughs) like what (laughs) oh boy so it's been a while i think the last time that I could totally be wrong. I I think I was living in an apartment and you came and visited while you were in DC doing a comedy show in like 2009, 10. Oh yeah, that's right. You had a friend with you. Yeah, I can't, who was the friend that was with me? I don't recall. A lesbian comic. Oh, Claudia Kogan probably. Um, it's so long ago that I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> yeah, I was doing I was doing uh, monthly comedy shows in DC, and it was at I can't remember the bar anymore. It was so long ago. Uh, it was oh dear God. Yeah, I I think too many Tito's and soda have erased my memory. <laughs> hey hey Tito's. Yeah, Can, I want to talk about your comedy for a second now that you just brought that up. When you're working on your comedy, and I know that a lot of this might kind of uh, intersect with your acting abilities and your wonderful other talents, but I so love I have acting abilities. <laughs> so when you you don't believe you do, we'll get to that soon. We'll get to that soon. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. So when you are um, working on uh, like a what would that be called a set, a comedy set? Mm-hmm. 
Um, do you like throughout your life, like sometimes make funny uh, things happen and you kind of like maybe put that in a little baby mason jar and put it in a little cabinet emotionally in your brain. You think, oh, I could use that sometime. Uh, or, or or do you completely sort of organically make up this whole whole evening like it is a rehearsed uh, sort of improv cabaret that you kind of are working uh, you're working on and this is just what it is? Uh... I, you know, I feel like a lot of my comedy stems from things that happened in my life, a lot of self-deprecating humor, but then also, uh, yeah, I feel like everything's derived from what's happened to me and my own experience. And then also I love crowd work. So being in the moment with the audience is really important to me and creating group mind. Um, that's why I don't like acting because I hate ignoring the audience. I love to know that they're there and that they can, I, that we're having a shared experience together and that we're having sort of a conversation and a push and pull. Uh, we're acting, I feel like you're presenting in a closed wall in front of them and you can't really acknowledge the fact that they're there. Okay, so that complete, that audience is leaving and has left and I know people are going back. I just did my air fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but but as I'm watching TikTok, Twitter, um, Insta, um, all of everyone's basically making these platforms without that that audience connection. And yes. what do you think is going to happen with all of that? Like, is it going to be the new, the new that that's how we're going to just basically connect and do our new shows, and then we might get some, you know, in, in person shows, but actually maybe have the combination of both. I think the combination of both, I think, I mean, given right now what's happening with the pandemic, of course that live comedy has sort of waned, but uh, there's experts that are saying that in 2024 is gonna be the, the new uh, roaring twenties where it's gonna be, people are going to wanna to get out of the house. They're gonna to wanna to go party. They're wanting to go travel. They're wanting to do all these things that we were sort of repressed from doing for so long that I think there'll be a rebirth of, of uh, live performance. Well, obviously social media and, um, and performing online and, and creating, you know, cause I think we've created a world where you get your own equity from, from creating content on social. And that's not going to probably end anytime soon in, in terms of, uh, a trend, but I think uh, a return to live and a return to um, yeah to a roaring a roaring uh, meetup of people is going to happen. But then right after the roaring twenties was the prohibition, so you know mm. life is cyclical. So we'll see see what happens there. So we should we should maybe stock up on the Tito's. Stock up on your Cheetos. Uh, and your Cheetos. And your Cheetos. And, and make morning mojitos. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Sondheim. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, Sean, who do you look to, uh, who do you look um, up to as a uh, comedian? Hal Herman. <laughs> <laughs> what, what elements of Hal did you find funny? Um, just his, um, choreography, um, <laughs> his taste in theater, um, <laughs> his taste, <laughs> his directing style, 
his teaching. Um, oh, mm. so many things I found hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. What actually brought you to Shenandoah? Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. And my high school music teacher, who's like my second father, he, uh, I guess there were three students from my high school, uh, Brian and BJ Checkett went to Shenandoah. Yes, Brian and BJ Checkett. Yeah. And also Yoshiko Goto, who, who went to school with me as well. So he kind of sent me there knowing that he had a good track record with students that he had sent prior. And I went there blindly. Uh, and also like my parents, I was the first, I'm the first generation of any kid in my family to go to college. So my parents knew nothing. Yeah. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I loved performing. And, and I also was in the synth band in my high school, <laughs> which actually, uh, which also uh, BJ Checkett was in. And um, at, when he was, he's a little older than me. And uh, I knew I loved music. I knew I liked performing, but then it took four years and $80,000 later at Shenandoah to realize that I hate acting. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at it. It's, it, it. it's because like when you act, you feel like you're kind of imitating something. And when you're doing your comedy performance, it's actually just something that's coming through and from you. Well, I, I mean, I love being in front of people and performing, but I like when I feel like I'm in control of the situation. And when you're acting, you're part of a whole other ecosystem with other people. You know, improv is a little different where you're able to, you're, you're, you're partnering with someone else to come up with something together that's, that's enjoyable for the audience. And it, same with acting, but I feel that I like, I like the danger of, of improv and the danger of standup because standup, if you if you bomb, it's all on you. You can't say, "Oh, is the set director? Oh, is the director and his horrible direct directing? Oh, is the other actors?" When it's stand up, it's all on you, and so it has the highest highs and the lowest lows. <laughs> um, but I find it so exciting and, exhil and exhilarating, um, and I can see why acting, uh, why some people I like I, I'm watching the Gilded Age and like listening to the podcast too, just listening to Christine Bransky talk about how much she loves. Uh, putting on the character and, and everything. And it's like, it, that, that's so exciting to me, but, it, that, but that sounds like terrifying to me, actually. Yeah. Do you have um, any like notable bomb stories that you'd like to share with us? No! <laughs> oh, no, ton. I mean, every comic does. And there, it, I, oh my gosh, so many. I was at a, my friend Katina and I, <laughs> to host a benefit where you know we were host it was like comics and musicians and and i think we weren't mic'd properly so no one could really hear us and it was just like us basically doing it for each other where no one else could hear but you could tell like after it was done like people would you walk by people and they felt sorry for you so they would dart eye contact <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like one of those things that it's like, oh, am I actually the last, my last performance prior to COVID, a friend of mine, Michael Brill and Nancy Witter, we got booked on this benefit in somewhere in New Jersey. And it was my friend Michael's hairdresser. And the, it was this really grand, big ballroom and stand up. The reason why the 
tables are so close and the ceiling's so low is because you're trying to capture the laughter. Uh, as a host, you usually create group mind. You're trying to get people all on the same page to be laughing and laughter is contagious. That's why the rooms are so small. We were in this cavernous um, three like ball, like three room ballroom. And Michael Brill, who annihilates every room, he's so funny. He's so good at crowd work, bomb. He was supposed to do 15 minutes, ended up doing five. And then I had to go up and it was just, it was again, talking about darting um, eye contact. We were just like, oh my God, can the world just open? Cause we had, we'd wait for our car. So we couldn't just leave. It's like in New York city, you could just leave and just like, oh my God, I hate this, this is the worst. But when you're in a place, you're waiting for a car, you're like, oh my God, I'm subjected to, to dart, no eye contact with the people who just heard, saw his bomb on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and then the pandemic happened, so. Any uh, heckler stories? Oh my God, I love hecklers. Do you? I, no, I love when people heckle on stage because you have a microphone and you're in charge. It's super fun. But one time a heckler got me and I, I just finished Invisalign and I was actually my husband was my who was my boyfriend at, at the time. He was out with his with his ex and like some friends of mine. And I'm sitting on stage talking about it. And a, and I just said something like I just finished Invisalign. The guy says, you can't tell your teeth are still fucked up. And I like I'm so insecure about my teeth that I felt like it was like, you know, when you go to a girl and you just say eyebrows and you wreck her for a night. That was like me. I couldn't even like come up with the comeback because it was like so insecure in that moment that I couldn't even I couldn't even climb out of my own my own my own insecurities that's horrific that's so fucking yeah. mean fuck you man wherever you are if you're listening get off of here I'm sure he, he'll, he'll totally remember and he's going to commit suicide <laughs> um so what did you do Sean nothing I, I ate it on stage so basically I just was like and I was like, okay, moving on. And then you move on to your next joke. And it's just kind of, when you have that moment, you don't own a heckler, it kind of sucks. Wow. But when, I feel like most of the time I, I'm fine. Uh, and most comics are armed with that. Um, especially if you have, if you had years on stage, you're fine. Have, have you, has any of us known someone who would be a heckler at a comedy show? Oh, like. Mm. I, I just can't think of anybody that I know that would actually like do that. I'm sure. Randy Ackenbrode. No. <laughs> uh, Heather Stevens. Heather uh. Stevens. Hal Herman. Hal Herman for sure. That man's a motherfucking heckler. Why do you think he created the Lindy Awards? So he could heckle his entire student body. <laughs> God. So Sean, what was your little breakthrough? I don't mean little, but uh, what was your, your baby steps out of feeder that said oh I, I i can do this this is me well i said to hal uh senior year scene study i said to him i was like hey i think i'm gonna do stand up he's like why would you want to do that <laughs> <laughs> and i just i just wanted to do it I so, wanted... so encouraging right yeah thanks hal actually my uh i think i think you have a meeting with hal before you graduate and you just sort of like catch up on maybe regale your years and I said, I was like, what do you actually see me doing? He's like, eh, I don't know, cabaret performing. Oh <laughs> I was like, as a waste of $80,000. Thanks, Hal. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of knew then, because I actually, I was thinking about going into grad school for directing, because I knew I wasn't a good actor. And 
And so I was just like, what, what do I do with my life? Like, what am I? So I was a little bit lost um, my last years at Shenandoah and, and trying to figure shit out. I wanted to make up for a little bit. And then uh, when I moved to New York. Oh, I think I remember your makeup days. Was that with Mac? Yeah, I worked at Mac for two years. And then I, I, it's so, how crazy. I was telling the story the other day. This is so wild. Sorry, I feel like I'm just rambling. No, no ramble way. Uh, so I remember when I worked at Victoria's Secret. At, oh my, in at the, the Apple Blossom Mall? Apple Blossom Mall. Oh, I worked at Victoria's Ryan Secret. Ryan just drove there, P.S. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just to go um, to Victoria's Secret. He was out of panties. <laughs> Um, what's wild is that the, the district manager really liked me and she sent me to Tyson's corner and they had a makeup section and I was like a club kid, you know, going to the, going to nations on the weekend. And I met this, this school teacher who was 10 years older than me, who we got, we became really good friends. We were doing lots of dumb drugs together, like whatever, like what were, who are we? And she moved in this woman who was head of the women in film uh, division in Washington, D.C. And she goes, oh, we're having the women in film event. And I know Natalie said you're doing makeup at Victoria's Secret. Do you want to, you know, work on one of our celebrities? And I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I've yet to ever put a full face of makeup on any person, whole like any person in the world yet. But I was like, sure, I'll go with it. And at the time, it was supposed to be Sharon Stone, which thank God it wasn't. It was, um, it ended up being Wendy Malick. I don't know if you know her from Hot in Cleveland. And yeah, Dream yeah, yeah. Uh, what was but, that old show she was in? Just Shoot Me. Just Shoot Me, yeah. And so I ended up doing, I come I come in with a Victoria's Secret bag and all this makeup. And she's probably like, what is this faggot doing? And um, and so <laughs> she's like, oh, here's my stuff. You just want to put makeup on me. And, and, I, and I did. So she's the first human being I ever put a full face of makeup on. Wow. Did you do a good job? Yeah, I think okay, I did. Good, good, good. Yeah, no, I didn't fuck her up. <laughs> and and then, she was, I think she, but she was like very um, evenly giving me direction on what she wanted to look like. And so that was, it was to my benefit and her benefit, obviously. Um, but that was the wildest thing. And I was like, I can't believe, I look back on it and it's like, I think sometimes when you're in your early 20s, you're just sort of, say yes to anything and and hope for the best i don't know like what that that uh, that gumption that i had in my early 20s that i probably wouldn't employ now <laughs> sure then i remember i remember you working at mac in pentagon city mall yes that oh was God. that was um weird because i would just like randomly go to the mall and be like oh right sean works here and like walk in and say hi um, that's where all the Monica Lewinsky dirt was caught right there in the food court. Who randomly goes to the mall nowadays? Well, Monica Lewinsky <laughs> <laughs> to the Victoria's Secret. Um, but what happened? Like, what took you from? So you kind of naturally progressed from uh, the Winchester area to the D.C. Northern Virginia area. What what took you away? What was like? All right, I, what am I doing with my life? I got to do something else. Oh my God. It's so wild. So I moved in with a friend of mine from high school and she, she originally was from Alaska. She moved to my high school in her junior or sophomore year and we were theater nuts. And then uh, I just didn't know what I was doing after college with me. I'm like, sure. And it was like me and all these Republicans and, and I was a lone Democrat 
And she worked for um, Senator Ted Stevens, who's known as the guy quoting, the internet's a series of tubes. And, and we were all dumb. We're all in our 20s. And her and her roommate, Ninky, who's also from Alaska, she worked for Senator Akaka uh, from uh, Hawaii. And they, they got wasted one night and brought a Christmas tree home. And the landlord's girlfriend lived in the basement apartment. And so we got evicted. And I was like, what do I do? And I, I reached out to a, a friend of mine who lived in New York City. And I sublet with her for two months in Jersey City. And so once the sublet was over, <clears throat> I had to figure out what to do. And I, I found this um, crazy ad in the Village Voice saying, uh, gay male home looking for a gay male roommate in a small room, 800, or it was, a, it was $185 a week. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, so crazy. It was in East Village. It was Alphabet City like kind of before it was trendy to be there as 17 B and C. And I go to this place and this guy, this guy named Vinny owns this place. He's like, Hey, what's going on? Here's your room. And I could touch both sides of the wall. Like it was like that small. And I had this, this, uh, plywood I had to lower and I'd lower an air mattress onto the plywood, uh, wild. And he was like, okay, since you live here, what you do, is that you, uh, you go deposit the money into the bank cash, and then you get a new key for the week. <laughs> so crazy. You got a new key every week? Yes, because it was this transient, weird place of like 10 gay guys living in this, this place. And so I just moved there. I'm, you know, it was prior to cell phones. And so I was, I had this horrible temp job that I hated and I called my mom one day like mom I don't know what's going on I really hate my life and I don't know why I moved here and this guy comes up and he's, like, he's like hey can I use the phone I was like I'm on the phone with my mom I'm having an existential crisis I don't know what to do and he then I talked to my mom a little bit and he comes back two minutes later he's like are you still on the phone so I hang up the phone and my room is right off the phone room and I actually the door didn't go all the way to the ceiling you could actually step on a chair and like look in my room it was that fucked up <laughs> and so then i hear him say he dials the number he's like baby bear looking for papa bear so he's like he's like phone grindering uh right outside my room as i'm crying to my mother <laughs> and then uh then i end up going to my temp job and i come back one day and the place is on fire so my first apartment in New York City burned down. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Everything? Yeah. Well, it was wild is that Stacey Mae Hassler was staying. Uh, she had friends in Staten Island. And actually that night, I remember Adam Dodway. I actually stayed with Adam Dodway at NYU that night because I had nowhere to go. And um, so I, then I then I ended up staying with Stacey May Hassler's friends, and I had to wait for my temp check so I could actually get home. And so all I had was two plastic bags that smelled like mesquite of the only belongings that I had, and it was raining. Dogs. Uh, it's a Friday. And I go pick up my check. I go cash it. I go to the go to the Greyhound. This is prior to 9-11. And I get to go on, I'm trying to get on the bus with these two bags. And he's like, sorry, you have to have a, you have to actual have luggage to go under or 
he goes, you have to actually go through your stuff and see what you can fit above your seat. And so I had to go through all the belongings that I had <laughs> to take with me home after my house burned down. Oh my God. Wow. Um, so then you went home and just like, just had like a, a like healing time. No, it was a, yeah. you had a Tito's. <laughs> I had a Tito. Was Tito's around then? No, I just, I, and then I talked to my friends at Mac, went back to DC, uh, went back to Mac. And then I uh, opened up the, the store in Georgetown, which is no longer there. And then mm. uh, the following March, I feel like I actually had plans and I actually figured shit out before I moved to New York City, which is always recommended to do SU alumni who are thinking about going to New York. And I ended up moving in with Aaron Schmall in Astoria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so what, what happened then? What were the, did you start to break through in certain ways? Yeah. Then I, I had a plan. I transferred to Mac at Herald Square, which was a nightmare. It was like that scene was like being uh, mauled by the lepers. It was like, that's what the customers were like. There. It's like, that's what it's like working at Macy's. And then, uh, I ended up quitting in August and then I joined an improv group uh, in August. <clears throat> so, and actually one of the reasons I moved to the Berkshires is my friend Jenny, her and her husband own this bar up here in the Berkshires. And that's how, she's the first person I met in comedy. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. So I did improv for a year and then Jenny and I started doing stand up the following year. So then stand-up leads to TV work. What what was that transition? Oh, so the TV work happened completely separately. So after I quit my job at Macy's because I hated it, um, I ended up temping, and then I got a job as a receptionist at Lifetime Television. Um, so funny, I feel like I tell this story. Guys, just started a new freelance gig, so I told the story today, actually. So I, I was a receptionist at Lifetime, and... Uh, which was really fun and a great job. And I wasn't looking for anything serious. I was just like, I just want to be a comedian. I'll just do this, this um, receptionist thing during the day and I'll just figure out my life. And then it just sort of, and once you realize you're in New York for a little bit, you're like, oh, I need more money. And then, so then I ended up getting a job as a media planner for lifetime. Uh, and then I ended up going to Comedy Central as a media planner. My life started switching a little bit to the social media scene. I was live tweeting roasts. And then um, I ended up getting a job uh, doing social media for Logo. Uh, is that right at the tail end of season two of RuPaul's Drag Race? Wow. Yeah. So, so that's that's like huge. Um, tell us about working for Logo in that world because it seemed like that's when things really started to open up for you. And and I, I remember seeing, you know, the Thanksgiving turkey uh <laughs> <laughs> video and and you know photos from the set of drag race like what was working at logo like at that time um it was so much fun i feel like i get to do so many weird things that i think if you just had the gumption to, to do i use that word again they kind of like as long as you could execute it they would kind of let you do what you want uh in a way because it was sort of the wild wild west and there wasn't a ton of programming so they needed stuff to feed the beast um so yeah, so doing stuff with Drag Race, like going on set, capturing content, um, but then also doing things like we were 
I got to do these silly Christmas songs with the Queens and do some influencer spots with the Queens. Um, and, and also just like, I felt for, I don't know if Rue would still remember me, but knew me by name at that point, which is super fun. Um, but then we got to do silly, I wrote this dumb song one weekend. Uh, my friend T Kyle and I kind of were chatting about it. And I just, I literally was me and my friend Tanya in 20 minutes. And I, I laid down this track for the song called Twerk Your Turkey. And I called my bosses and I said, I wrote this really weird song. Do you think we can do something with it? It was like right after the Miley Cyrus MTV thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, they thought it was hilarious. And then I worked with this guy named T Kyle McMahon uh, to put together this music video where he art directed it. And we used a Cornish game hen of a twerking turkey. So this is what, 2013-ish? Yeah, like somewhere like 2013. And around the same time too, I got to go on this wild tour. It was seven days. I went with Rihanna on the 777 plane. So there was like 50 journalists, then 50 fans went on the seven day trip around the world with Rihanna. <laughs> and it was like the, the weirdest, it was like the most amazing nightmare of my life. Where it's just like, what the fuck? And and you know, we as a channel at Logo, we we're like, oh, MTV is going to be there, the New York Times is going to be there, London Times. No one, she's not going to want to talk to Logo. Like, who, she's not going to. So we have to figure out something, some kind of marketing plan if we're going to create content for seven days. So we decided we're going to do this cardboard RuPaul, and we're going to take pictures of RuPaul in all these different cities, <laughs> and then we plan like content in each city, like there's a drag queen in Stockholm. I had a friend who was in London who could talk about hair. There's a show we did it in, in um, Toronto. Okay, so I interviewed them. But what happened with the biggest problem was Rihanna where we were sitting on the tarmac forever waiting for her. And so what happened was that these journalists who content for seven days weren't able to sleep. <laughs> no one was making sense. <laughs> and and by the time we got to the fifth or sixth night i think everyone had enough of it and there was mutiny after the berlin show and one of the guy so it started out with this chant in the front of the plane uh where the the journalists were saying save our jobs because the guy from london times wasn't getting any new content because rihanna wasn't sitting down with anyone and the fans were sick of seeing the same show over and over again so the 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 Journalists were saying, save our jobs, save our jobs. And then the um, the fans, which I was right next to the fans, because I was, you know, in the D class of, of journalists. Right. And it was like, and the fans were saying, shot, 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 shot. And out of nowhere, one of the guys from the radio Australia streaked the plane <laughs> and basically shut everything down. And then the poor flight attendants were like pouring shots down everyone's mouth to shut us up. Oh, my God. Like, craziest thing that sounds like some like wolf of wall street level shit yeah it was there's a actually documentary on fox if you have a chance to watch it um about the whole situation how wild it was wow um and and so didn't you switch from logo then to lifetime yeah then i ended up going from there to lifetime as creative director of social media um which was super fun uh, we got to do some really fun content. A comedian friend and uh, I have, we did this uh, interstitial series called Mixologist in a Movie. It's on Lifetime Movie, Making a Cocktail. 
Um, so that was a super fun. It was a fun experience. So, and um, then I ended up after two years at Lifetime, ended up getting all the brands at Any. So it's Any History uh, Biography, uh, FYI. Uh, there for seven years doing social content. What was the next step for you, Sean? Oh my God. So I ended up, <laughs> I ended up leaving television to go into healthcare, which record scratch. What? Um, I know it, I, I, cause I was looking for a change. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. I felt like I could, I did everything I kind of wanted to do at that job. And I was looking to move on and go somewhere else and have some new scenery. But uh, this uh, recruiter reached out to me and said, oh, want to come work with us at healthcare at Cardinal Health. And it was I, in this I, in an ideal world, I was hoping to make content that was going to help people make uh, decisions about their healthcare <laughs> and like, oh, what, you know, how can I best, you know, not get cancer? I don't know what I thought we were going to be making. But when I got there, it wasn't that. It was, uh, I found out that they were part of the opioid crisis. And it is basically like I was getting phone calls different saying, um, Sean, um, next week is deep vein thrombrosis week. And what are we doing on social? <laughs> Hi, Sean. Next week is um, fill in the blank uh, ailment. What are we doing this week? And it was just, I was like, I hate this. This is awful. The procurement process was awful. It was so regulated. And I just ended up um, quitting uh, on really good terms with my boss. And then I ended up um, working at my friend's coffee shop in, in the Berkshires and starting my own business, karaoke and Broadway and brunch. <laughs> and then, and, and that, that happened like what, right before COVID? No, this is all at, this is all during after, and during COVID. Oh, okay. so I ended, up, I ended up leaving. Uh, I ended up moving to the Berkshires and leaving A and E all at the same time. So I I quit my job in March of 2021, went to moved to the Berkshires, um, and then also went to my new job. And then September, I quit my job at um, at Cardinal Health. So you've been kind of now beating your own drum in a way since then, right? Yeah, it's kind of amazing and kind of fun and it's kind of nice, nice and scary all at the same time. And at what point, and I'm sorry, Matthew, I'm, as, I'm hijacking this interview. Um, <laughs> shot, 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 shot. <laughs> at what point in this journey uh, do you meet uh, your husband, Chip? Um, back in 2000. He was the guy that was running down the airplane naked. <laughs> I wish. God. <laughs> no, I met, I met Chip prior to that. So that was in 2010. We met. So and, we met. and what's, what's your, like, how'd you meet? Okay. By the way, how'd you meet him? Oh, this, oh actually it's 2009. Sorry. We met on Adam for Adam. Ah, so you were inspired by Children of Eden, uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> the biblical yes. musical. Yes, the very good biblical musical that um, Hal Herman uh, triumphantly directed. You know, we'll get back to Chip, but I have to go there. Uh, this, this is a like full court press serious interview, Sean. Um, in two, two, the year of 2000, you played the pivotal role of Cinnamon Bear in Children of Eden. Um, 
how how did you prepare for that? Wow, it, I mean, it was one of those. I did really regress back into my um, bear days. In my, my bear days, familial history. I really did a lot of research. I spent a lot of time in the park, um, uh, <laughs> but in Winchester, searching for bears to interview. Um, <laughs> did a lot of research, and I think I really did, um, really did take on a role that that a lot of people would say is not important or pivotal. But I think it was something that I really excelled in and should have won at least a local award for that. Was there a local award for that? I don't know. Lindy's? The Lindy's, yeah. The Lindy. Yeah, maybe the Lindy's. I could have won a Lindy for it. Do they still do the Lindy's, you think? Oh, who knows? Don't you feel like it seems like like a little Me Too, the Lindy's, like a little post-Me Too, we shouldn't be doing that anymore? Probably so. Probably so. If I mean, they were kind of just mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It didn't age well. No. No. Um, what, uh, so uh, this, just for people who are saying, what the fuck is a cinnamon bear? Cinnamon bear is not a cereal. It, well, it is. But we could have maybe, we, you really could have done merch with that character. Well, that was pre-possible merch. Um, <laughs> we, we didn't even have computers. Um, I, I'm thinking about cinnamon I, bear uh, edibles. I think that actually already exists. I think it's called Teddy Grahams. Teddy, oh, Teddy Grahams. Yes. Teddy yes. Mm -hmm. uh, what about Shawnee Grahams? <laughs> so, so the, how'd you meet Chip? Wait, 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 wait. I, I'm still stuck on the cinnamon bear. There's a just so people don't like who don't know the the show, which you know I hope is many. Um, Children of Eden. Children of Eden is a, a biblical show that tackles like creation of the world. It's a um, very easy topic. And then like the destruction of it in Act Two with Noah. So we have Adam and Eve, Act One, Noah, Act Two, and. In Act One, I got to play Adam opposite Danielle Ferretti as Eve. Yes. And Ben Schoenberger was God. And we had to name all the animals. And Sean <laughs> was the cinnamon bear, which I just think is lazy lyric writing, personally. It was a, especially when I had to say, I, I, I will never be done. Was he trying to rhyme the word with bear? I think he was trying to say eh, the bear rhymes but we need three syllables eh, it's a cinnamon bear i don't know what about a grizzly bear <laughs> <laughs> it's it's baffling but anyway i i'll never forget you what you did acting like a <laughs> <laughs> was that like eating bugs off of myself or something i forget what it i think you did and danielle and i, I remember always had to like not look at you because it was too funny. <laughs> okay, it's not, okay, it's, so, it's not made up. Okay, God, our producer Ryan has just looked up Cinnamon Bear. Because we have the internet now. There. We, oh. There is an actual Cinnamon, cinnamon bear. bear. We are so, so sorry, people who wrote Children of Eden. I guess it's not lazy. Who know better than we do. We're just a bunch of Lindy's. I'm just fact-checked by my own producer. But it's producer. only found in North America, so I don't know. That's where Adam and Eve were. That's where, the that's where the Ark landed was in Arkansas. Well, this was pre-Ark <laughs> because it was, it was, so Adam and Eve must have totally been in like. Like Virginia Beach. Or like Central PA. Or maybe Duck. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it, no. Even just in their accents, it's definitely Northeastern. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, all right, we'll go back to Chip now. Now that we covered Children of Eden, I just have to go there. <laughs> I had to go into your 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 very um, delicious cinnamon work. bear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the, so the Chip story. Oh yeah. So we we met on Adam for Adam. What was so I, for those of you who don't don't know Adam for Adam, it was like a geo targeted by neighborhood um, desktop uh, app at that time. It wasn't it wasn't for for mobile. And Chip was living in East Village, and I was living in Inwood, uh, which is northern Manhattan. So it was like a long distance relationship to start. So I don't know how we even met. Um, uh, I don't know how. We- uh, Chip just moved there from San Diego, so maybe he just had he's widening the aperture. Where I was just like, I just need Dick in my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we met, and then it kind of we became fast boyfriends. Like we were, I think we only dated for a couple weeks, and then we're like, I took him home to meet my dad, and it just kind of went from there. And then, and you know, nothing's stopping us now. So here we are, homeowners living in the Berkshires together. I, I- I just need Dick in my neighborhood. I think that's something Mr. Rogers said, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I mean, you've just kind of done that. Is Adam for Adam still in existence? I it was a little bit ago because Manila Luzon of RuPaul's Drag Race was one of their influencers for a little bit. So I think they're still around. How widely used or accepted they are, I don't know. Um you may have just created their next marketing slogan slash t-shirt. So I just need Dick in my neighborhood. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing wonderful and like kind of living in a dream world. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I listen, I'm just like living my, my best life. Uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful. I live. I'm so grateful for my husband. I'm so grateful that we have this house and, so grateful we have friends who live here. Uh, my friend Jenny and we had friends that bought in Monterey uh, two years prior, and they sort of introduced us to this town that we're in, which is like we live on a dirt road off of another dirt road. It's so wild, but we are the gayest street in Monterey. So we yep. have a gay couple lives across from us, and another gay guy bought at the end. So we have eleven houses and three queer households. So yeah, and it's I love this life and I get to perform in my uh how I want to perform like I I just love hosting karaoke at the barn and doing Broadway and brunch with my friend Casey and then I open for Rachel Feinstein and Hudson and Jessica Curson and in Egremont so it's kind of nice that I get to do comedy and perform uh how I want to perform and when I want to perform and that's fine and what what uh do you have anything you want to plug or steer people to? Well, wanna, fo- Wait, wanna, go ahead. Go I ahead. I want to ask a question. So do you think there is a uh, an audience for like lame dad joke comedian? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, his name's Jim Gaffigan. Oh, damn. Right. That's right. He exists. <laughs> Ryan is constantly dad joking us and it's just painful sometimes. There's this really good TikToker. He does... Um, I love that he he does a dad joke, but then he up he ups the dad joke. So he says, so my son says to me the other day, I have to let me recall the joke. I don't want to ruin it. Um, do you guys edit this? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he this dad he he'll say um, 
oh god i can't remember i can't remember the joke but he his fuck this good star wars one and i can't remember what it is but anyway he'll like his son will say a joke he's like no dummy and then he'll give the better punchline. anyway uh that aside but um i lost, <laughs> I lost what i was talking about <laughs> that's such a good story um yeah, yeah that'll make the cutting room floor please yeah we'll we'll, we'll just Stephen, make a note. This is where you cut right here. Um, Sean, you did your own podcast for a while. I did. I, um, Closet Cases, where LGBTQ plus comedians tell their coming out and transitioning stories live on stage and then later in a podcast. Um, I did it for a while. It's just, it's as you know, like doing long form editing is so much work as I'm making you edit this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it just was a lot of work. And I felt at 80, because I had so much to oversee that I I couldn't do it all the time. Because at 80, I was, I was overseeing 10,000 pieces of content per year. So it was just like, to even do a 45-minute podcast and edit it was just so much work. I ran into a comedian who, who was on the show, and she said, oh, well, I never, you never edited my podcast. I'm like, I said, this is a mental health thing. I took a break, so I didn't even do it yet. So there's plans to bring the show back. Um, so I, uh, my friend Jenny, who I mentioned, owns the Egremont Barn. barn, And uh, I have a couple of contacts who, uh, at Port Canna Barn Hudson, they do shows there. So we've chatted about doing kind of like a couple nights in Hudson, then a night in Egremont, and then probably set up a night in Northampton, Massachusetts to make it worthwhile for comedians to come up to tell their coming out stories on stage and then bring back the podcast. Um, it's, it's just so interesting. Uh, there's so much content out there. There's so much to subscribe to. Like, what are, what are your favorite things to, to listen to, like podcast-wise or whatever? Um, oh my, well, my favorite podcast of all time, mine, Selena Kopic. <laughs> she has America's favorite podcast about candles. <laughs> and okay. it's, it is hilarious. And she, it, and when you, I've done the podcast, it's super fun. Um, but everyone takes it so seriously, even though they're most, they're mostly comedians, but Selena starts out every podcast. just like, tell me your seminal candle journey. <laughs> <laughs> um it's so good i also love star talk i'm a huge space nerd i love um everything about space and the universe uh and i'm listening to the um i'm listening to the podcast for uh what do you call it the gilded age right now which is right you yeah we we are watching the gilded age as well and uh i'm really liking it <clears throat> I love it. I am so Team Russell. Team. Russell. I know, right? Like they're such assholes, but I'm like, kind of want you to win. You know, it's so Take wild. Control. Accept them. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that New York City history too is so fascinating to me. And I, the podcast is the Bower, one of the guys from the Bowery Boys, and they have a great podcast too that sort of takes you through New York City history. Um, but it's so fascinating. And just in these names that we think of, probably we think of legacy names like uh, JP Morgan and, and the Vanderbilts who think of high society, but really they were kind of 
garbage when they moved to New York City and and uh, and just sort of the the twist that they how they've changed their own their own legacy like through the businesses that they created. And and what besides the Gilded Age are you like binging or really into right now? Oh, Euphoria is so good. I'm, HBO Plus. Yes, I mean Max. There's, there's more dick in that show than there was in the set of Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> dick Sargent and Dick York. I mean, come yep. on. It, it's but it, no, it's really good. The acting is amazing. I love uh, Zendaya. I think she's so great. I love that they have a trans actress at the forefront. Um, it's just so dark but good and wild and crazy and delicious. Euphoric. <laughs> it's euphoric. It's euphoric. Yes. It, it is. It reminds me of my days back in the club in DC. <laughs> <laughs> My God, so, so many years have passed, but I, it's so great to catch up with you and hear you're doing so well. It's been so weird to kind of, you know, all these interviews we've been doing, I think you're going to find interesting just to kind of do a check-in on people from the past that we our only tether, I mean, thank God we had the tether, was social media over, you know, a 20-some year period and like random, like, Matt and I are in New York City in 2005. Want to grab a drink in a bar? You know. <laughs> um, but it's so great to actually hear your voice, hear how you're doing. Uh, how can people, if people want to follow you, where do you point them to? Uh, you can follow me on all social at Sean Hollenbach, S-H-A-W-N-H-D-H. Uh, if you want to see a fun story about me, you can watch The Mortified Guide which is available on Amazon Prime that talks about my obsession with unicorns as a child. Um, yeah, I think it's really- 60-yard line, right? I'm sorry? 60-yard line. Oh, yeah, 60-yard line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. So gay. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, yeah. And then also I started this thing. I'm starting this thing called the Burke's Queers. Um, so it's... Um, there's a... A lot of it, the Berkshire County is the bluest county of the bluest state in the United States, but there's no real queer spaces in the Berkshires. So this woman, um, Sam, who I work with, Sam Backhouse, she grew up in the town that I live in. And uh, her dad's the police chief of, and we're going to create a podcast from two perspectives of someone who's just moving to the Berkshire, someone who grew up here. What are the, who, who's doing great things for the community in, in the, but what are the fun things that we could do together to create events and a space for queer people up here? Uh, so that's something, a project I'm working on. Well, that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you ever want to visit, please come visit the Berkshires. It's so, so pretty. We have a hot tub. We can um, have cocktails and talk about your days past. You need a barista. <laughs> and now I'm a barista too. My God. I <laughs> had no idea what a cortado was until I started working at Jenny Rubin's coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, we love you so much. Thank you so much for spending time with okay. us. And uh, we won't be strangers. You don't either. Okay. Okay, but I want now I need to hear what you guys are up to and I want to hear your side. So all right. Well, as a young child, 
<laughs> I um, <laughs> we we'll just have to do another catch up some other time off air, um, and we can blah 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 to you about everything we've done. So <laughs> yes, no, I need to hear everything. All right, my friend. Love you, baby boy. J'adore you all. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, y'all. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for spending time with us, Sean. We really had a great time um, catching up and reminiscing about the cinnamon bear. Yes. One of uh, your most pivotal works. Um, we remember it well and miss you, buddy. Uh, and I'm just going to hit all the crass commercial things uh, on our way out here. Make sure you join the... Um, Oh God! I was gonna say decanter. That's I, I was thinking. Make of church. sure you pick up a decanter. <laughs> it was because we were talking about church in the intro, or, or Easter. Um, and we will. What? I don't know. We will pick up our own decanter. What is the thing called that I'm trying to? I'm very old. Dis Discord. Oh my God. Or decanter so confusing please hit up the discord link in the description here um and uh it's a great place to see photos that i don't post anywhere else i promise uh from college uh say hi to your other alum we've had a lot of previous guests and future guests in the discord so jump on there uh also please feel free to add some late 90s songs to our spotify playlist that link is also in the description if you want to know more about us visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com that's connor with an er you can find us on instagram facebook and tiktok under connor and smith again with an er uh, please rate review subscribe to this podcast share it where you share things post it where you post things uh, tell your neighbors, tell your friends. Um, it's been great uh, catching up. We have another wonderful guest uh, planned for tomorrow. So until then, um, we hope you have a wonderful evening, day, whenever you're listening to this morning. Yeah, and we, we, we will listen to you soon. We're going to listen to them. We'll, no, we'll, we'll talk to you soon so you can listen soon. It's, it's been so confusing. I'm so sorry. We're tired. We'll talk soon. All right, bye.